Well, it's good to be here with you this morning, uh, and I'm extremely grateful for the friendship that I share with Kurt and with so many of you here at the Pearland Vineyard. It has been a safe haven for me and Steve over the last few months, and for that we are extremely grateful. And this morning I want to continue um, to witness or to be a witness, for us to be a witness of the dramatic and spectacular work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of ordinary people in the book of Acts, and this morning specifically, Acts 9. So far, we have witnessed God's gift of the Holy Spirit to believers for the express purpose of building and creating a community of Christ followers called the Way, and for carrying out Jesus' command that these people would be witnesses of his from Judea, Samaria, uh, and to all the ends of the earth, and that would include Jerusalem. We have learned and we have read about the enthusiastic, encouraging, impassioned preaching of some of the key leaders, Stephen and Peter, and these men clearly pointed out very plainly Jesus's role as Israel's Christ, their Messiah, the creator of the world, the savior of the world. That was very plain. They also were very clear about the place of Jesus's death, his resurrection, his plan for salvation, and Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament hopes and dreams and promises. These witnesses now it, to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, they were so profound and so convincing in telling their story that everybody who heard the story became a Christ follower. You gonna check me on that? No, that's not what happened at all, is it? But let's pray first and get into the story. Holy, wonderful, and awesome God, Jesus, our Savior and our friend, Holy Spirit, our helper, comforter, and teacher, we pray this morning that our hearts would be a soft landing place for the power of your word. Power of your word that will equip us as witnesses to the Christ in our everyday living. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 7 and 8 is where we first encounter a man named Saul. Saul witnessed the murder of Stephen. Stephen was a holy man, a righteous man, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now Saul, on the other hand, was a little bit different. He did not believe that Jesus was Messiah, and he and his people, Israel, had been waiting now for Messiah for a long, long time. And Every now and then, they would think Messiah had come, and they would get excited just to find out 
No, that's not Messiah. And their hopes would be dashed. They would be disappointed. And the waiting would start all over again. You know what we feel about waiting, right? But this time, this teaching about Jesus Christ was getting traction. It was gaining some steam. And Paul and the ruling class of Jews decided with great zeal that they were going to stop this from happening. Saul would travel near and far with letters of permission from the Jewish leaders to destroy every Christian witness, believing that they were doing God's will. In Saul's mind, these Christ followers were teaching a blasphemous heresy that threatened the people of God and the sanctity of the law and the temple. These people had to be silenced, and Paul felt that he was particularly equipped to do that. So what we see in Saul is a closed circle person in a closed circle argument. There was no human way to convince Saul that he might be wrong about who Jesus was. After all, he'd studied under Gamaliel. He was thoroughly trained in the law. He was zealous for God, and he persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. Here's the question for you. Have you ever run across someone like that? You can't convince them they're wrong. I don't care what the evidence says. I believe what I believe, and that's what I believe, and I will die believing what I believe. That's a closed circle. I would rather not even associate with you because you believe differently than me. And you're wrong. I'm not. Now, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. We're not necessarily getting into arguments today about who Jesus is, if he's Messiah. Now, there's some conversation that can happen about that in some circles, right? But our arguments today are a little more interesting and divisive, but we're having them anyway, right? So, see if you recognize your, no, 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 not yourself but see if you recognize somebody else that you may know in these examples. How about your beliefs and conversations around racism? How about your politics? How about inclusivity? How about equity and inclusion? diversity. I'm going to say this. Be careful now. How about wokeness? Ah, uh-oh, it's right. How about the books we keep in libraries or in curriculum? You know about that. 
You know, we get into those big old discussions around that. And by George, you remember COVID? Remember the vaccine? Families and friends were having huge arguments. And those arguments bled right into the church because that's where we come. And we find that the church was having its own arguments around sexuality, heaven and hell, penal substitutionary atonement, fundamentalism, the roles that women can lead in in the church even. And it goes on and on and on and on. And we find ourselves living in the tension and the mystery of all of this, desiring to hear the voice of the Spirit and what the Spirit may be doing and saying. And it will take prayerful, confident, bold, and brave men and women working together and working with the Spirit to get wisdom around these closed circles. And make no mistake, the fibers of our faith should be strong. Strong in scripture, strong in prayer and worship, yet not so fragile that we fear questioning and exploration, and curiosity without thinking that we're going to be led into heresy or that much dreaded slippery slope. A leads to B, B leads to C, and all of a sudden our fears and insecurities are being fed. Friends, we are called to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We are called to know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. We are called to living in community so that we encourage the weak, we encourage the faithless, we encourage the hopeless, and in so doing, we get encouraged ourselves. That's what we're called to do. Not necessarily die on the hill of a closed circle argument. A closed circle person in a closed circle argument is how we get to experience Saul this morning in chapter 9, wrecking havoc on the church and everybody who is a Christ follower. His reputation was that of a dangerous and violent man when he was on his way to Damascus. What he did not anticipate was an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter would fracture his closed circle way of living and would change everything that he was doing and everything he thought he knew to be true. So Saul likely told his story in Acts 9, 3 through 6 like this. It's probably what he said, and he's telling it. About noon, as I came to Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, 
Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. And I replied, Lord, what shall I do? In the history of the human, human and Christian community, this has become one of the most famous conversion stories. And as marvelous as your story is, because you've got some good conversion stories to tell, and as great as I think mine is, it does not compare to seeing shining bright lights at noonday and hearing voices that no one else heard. However, what I would like to ask you to do is move beyond the conversion story and go right into what it looks like when you have an encounter with God, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, letting us know that God can use anybody. God can use anybody to carry out his plans and purposes. Saul's zeal was based on knowledge about God. And Jesus himself warned us of this in John 16, 1 through 3. I have said these things to you so that you don't fall away. They will expel you from the synagogue. The time is coming when those who kill you will think that they are doing a service to God. They will do these things because they don't know the Father or me. Saul was poised to have his knowledge about God turned into knowing God as God truly is. We're not transformed by what we know about God. We're transformed by this intimate relationship, this intimate contact we have with God. And that looks different for each one of us. For me, it's prayer and silence and solitude. It's prayer and reading the scriptures. And when I don't get that, I am a hot mess. You don't want to be around me. You don't want to see me. Just look at me and say, girl, go get in your closet. You got work to do. But that's what it looks like for me. What does it look like for you? How are you drawn towards God and closer to the risen Christ? Let's make some connections here. Closed circle people and closed circle arguments do things based on knowledge they've interpreted a certain way. And more than not, it's in closed ways. Knowledge is good and I highly recommend it. But knowledge does not stand by itself. There is this thing called contact theory that I like to talk about. 
And it is the idea that we can have peaceful, friendly, interactional, interpersonal contact with others that can lead to tamping down our stereotypes, our prejudices, and our discriminatory behaviors. In order to witness Jesus Christ and that witness to travel throughout the world and throughout our places of influence, we have to have an encounter with Christ, right? And we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And that Holy Spirit empowers us to carry out our calling, right? And we must not be afraid to sit and eat and drink and study and do life with people who are different than we are. You know what? Y'all can say amen at any time. I'm an old black woman from an old black Baptist church, and we talk to each other. It's something called call and response, all right? So we can do that. Don't be afraid to do that. I'm not going to get mad at you for doing that. But let's go back. We need to be in relationship with others. I need to touch you. You need to touch me. We need to have meals together. We need to play together. We need to ride bikes together. That's how we get to know each other. That's how you get to know that I'm no different than you are. That's how you get to know I have great family values. Look at them. They're all over there. They know. You know, we like to go on vacation. We like to play cards on a Saturday night. I think that's what they did last night. You know, that's no different than you. But you don't know that until you get to know me. And that is exactly what Ananias in Acts 9 had to do. Ananias was a disciple living in Damascus, minding his own business when he had his own experience with Jesus. That happened in a vision. Jesus told him that he had to go to Saul, lay hands on him, and answer Saul's question, what must I do, Lord? Do you for any moment think that Ananias wanted to do that? Ananias had heard about Saul. And he did push back with the Lord, didn't he? He knew that this was a violent man. But God said, do it. And Ananias was obedient. He had contact with Saul, even though he was afraid of him. And it was in, in, in connection with Saul having a contact with the resurrected Christ, Ananias having a vision of Christ, and Christ saying, go and do this, go touch him, so he receives his sight, and you can tell him what's ahead for him. It was a transformational moment for both of them. And this moment, at this point in time, did something to me that was miraculous. And in this series, we've talked about the miraculous. Ananias was able to call Saul brother. That brings tears to my eyes. 
two very different men on different horses. Ananias lays hands on him and calls him brother. It is upon us to take a Jesus that goes well beyond the Jesus of the Jews. We take that to all tribes, all nations, all tongues. We take that to all people. That is the story of our personal conversion. That is the why of our personal conversion. Our story is about what God can do with people that we think is beyond, are beyond God's grace. And we can sometimes think that about ourselves. There's nothing good about us sometimes that we want to admit. And we hear the voices of people speaking nothing good into us. People who criticize us and judge us. We hear that. But God's grace is big and sufficient. And it saved Saul. And it saves us. And that's the message we carry out. It is the word of God. Amen. <laughs> it's the word of God and the spirit of God that lifts my hopes for the person for whom I tend to expect nothing but the worst. You know, and this is what's beautiful. God had hopes and dreams for Saul that he didn't see for himself until he sat blind and broken for three days without food or drink, in other words, he was fasting, probably sitting with the one who brought light to his darkness and the one who saw something in him that went beyond his zeal to annihilate and crush the spirit and hopes of a people to someone God could use to bring great numbers of people into the family of God in a broad section of their country. Huge numbers of people responded to his preaching and his teaching. He never connected it. And these people would in turn respond in similar ways and tell the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is good news. After Saul's encounter with Jesus, his encounter with weakness, his encounter with Ananias, Saul was now able to see what he could not see before. He would not be able to get in the way of preventing the gospel spread throughout all the ends of the earth. In fact, Saul was going to be very instrumental in God's ability to do that by using him. And Saul was now different, and he showed up different. And what was the difference? The difference was his great passion that had been tweaked some. He preached Christ and Christ crucified. He was not afraid of what or whom he would encounter. And later on, when his name was no longer Saul and it was Paul, these are the words he said. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, 
but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith, by the faithfulness of God's Son who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's our story too. The one who did not believe at one time, who now believes. We have been crucified with Christ. And it is Christ that lives in us so that we're equipped by the Spirit to do the things that we're called to do. Saul couldn't be stopped. And look, I like this because he saw suffering for Christ as much a gift as trusting. And you know, I, we can't cover everything on a Sunday morning, but I just invite you to read Acts 9 to get all the details that um, I can't give you today. But Saul still had hurdles. Remember, Jesus said, you'll tell him, Ananias, the things that he has to suffer and he did suffer more. He did have more challenges and hurdles uh, that he had to navigate, things that he would have to suffer for the name of Christ. But guess what? He was on, Christ, on fire for Jesus. The apostles were still afraid of him, and it took Barnabas to convince them that Saul was the real deal. And after that, Saul was accepted as one of them, going in and out of Jerusalem, um, uninhibited, and nobody got in his way um, as he preached in the name of the master. What a turn. Contact theory says that Barnabas' word and his fellowship with Saul, on that word, the apostles accepted Saul as part of their group. Another hurdle that he had to overcome was that from the Hellenists who was plotting to kill him because they didn't like his message. That was a turnabout, wasn't it? But his new family, his new friend group, his new posse, his new tribe. Heard about it, and they made sure that they took him to safety. They put him on a ship and sent him off to Tarsus so that no harm could come against him. This is something I like, is that after he was shipped to Tarsus, it says that things calmed down, and the church had smooth sailing for a while. And all over the country, in Judea and Samaria, in Galilee, the church grew. They were permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God. The Holy Spirit was with them. The Holy Spirit strengthened them and they prospered wonderfully. That's a vision for us today, that as we 
come out of our own way of thinking and as we embrace the beauty of the diversity that we all bring, that we will have a strong and vibrant church, a church filled with people speaking all different languages, people of all different colors, people who do all different things, but their gifts coming together, working together, does something for the kingdom of God. Amen. The empowering Holy Spirit turned faith to fear, chaos to peace, weakness to strength, and death to life. And my prayer this morning is that we will all make progress on our journey living out our calling. And Saul, when he became Paul, wrote this in Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you and me with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That was his prayer, and that prayer is for us today. So what do we want to leave here with today? I said a whole lot, but if I was you, I would say, so what? As I prayed over the last couple of weeks, because see, it takes me that long to deal with messages. Alan and Kurt can knock them out in a day. <laughs> but as I prayed over the last few weeks, I believe we have four challenges in front of us. And I'm going to put them on the screen one by one. And I'll read my thoughts around those four. And what I'd like you to do, what I'd like to invite you to do, is listen for the one that resonates with you the most. And as you go through the week, take that one and get with the Spirit of God on it. Ask some questions of it. Why are you being drawn to that? What is the Spirit trying to say to that? Then turn those questions into prayers. And then do what I say I like doing. Get still. Get quiet. And hear the still, small voice. Okay, here goes. There can be problems, as we saw with closed thinking and closed circle arguments. The possibility does exist that we could be wrong. So we can admit that, right? Let's just say it. You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I can be wrong. 
And when I'm wrong, I don't know, okay? I just don't know. I just, and I admit to you, hey, I don't know. The possibility is also there that there might be areas in our lives where we are encountering only beliefs or opinions that coincide with our own so that our existing ideas and views are reinforced and alternative ideas and views are not considered. All that means is I'll throw another word out there. You're in your own echo chamber. So are there areas where you and me, we're in our own echo chamber? So let's pray about that, if that's what the Spirit is asking. Second, how intentional are you when it comes to being in contact with those who don't, you don't see in as favorable a light as you see yourself, your friend group, or your little group of people? Who are the people you invite into your home? Do you look to be with people who look different than you? Is your practice to only be with Christians? Well, by George, the word would never go forth if we never shared it, huh? Or if we just sat with Christians. Do you only engage with people your own age, your own gender? When was the last time you volunteered in Next Generation? When was the last time you volunteered with children after a season? You know? Are you comfortable engaging with people out there who represent diversity? So the question is, how might God want to widen and deepen your influence in the world? Here's another one. How intentional are you about sharing your own faith story? so that it brings hope to someone else. The lost, the dying, they're all around us, or a fellow believer who's lost their way. We do have that. And the last is to what extent is our knowledge about God being translated into a real experience of knowing God? So do your rhythms and spiritual practices include both knowledge about God and being with God? So those are four things. Make a quick note of it. You know, maybe jot down some keywords that will remind you of it. And that's your homework for the week. Our experience in a worship service, and I think we sang one of the songs about that, our experience in a worship service is about hearing from God. We hear through music, we hear through that five-minute break in when we're in an interaction uh, with another person. So we hear those things, and we're um, hearing from God, and God is speaking to our hearts. A time comes in the service, however, when we want to respond to what we heard and what we felt. Don't be afraid of your feelings. 
because our bodies give us clues. So we want to respond to that. And that's what I want to invite us to take a, a listen for now. If you are not a member of God's family or you don't remember saying yes to the wonderful Jesus Christ that's been asking you to be in this relationship, in this family, if you've not ever done that, would it be a good time this morning to say yes? That's all it takes is yes. And all of this space here is open because we want to come together as a family and pray together. We're not putting you on the spot that you have to come stand up here by yourself and we stare you down. But we're in the same place. There are things that I want this morning that I need your prayer on. So this time is open for, for that, number one. You want to be in this big family? A friendly family? faces, people who care for you, just feel free to come on down at this time. There's also something else that goes on in a service. So make your way down. I'm, I'm not, you know, going to stand here and, and manufacture something for you, but please make your way down. I want to meet you. They're, 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 there's family here in the room. They want to meet you. They want to pray with you. Um, there's other ways that you can say yes this morning is if you're not confident about what your call is, what God has asked you to do, if you're not sure about that, but you've been hearing something, well, come on down. We want to pray about that also. You may not know what it is, or you may have an idea of what you heard, but you're not sure, and you want somebody to pray with you about that. Do that. But I also know that we come to church every Sunday hurting. I'm hurting today. You know, we have big decisions to make in our family right now. I need prayer. You may have some decisions that have to be made in your family. There may be an illness, a sudden illness that's come bad news, dealing with family members, children. That might be going on for you today. I just ask that you come. And there'll be people that will come around and pray with you and love on you and let you tell your story however you would like to tell your story. We're not in a hurry. We don't care how long you take. So spirit of the living God, fall fresh. We want to hear from you. We want the ministry that you bring to heal our wounds to give us hope for tomorrow, to give us the joy and gladness that only you can bring.
We want more of you, Lord. We want to be your witnesses on the earth, but sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we know the gifts that we operate in, but sometimes we're afraid to use them. But I want to speak boldness into you this morning. I want to speak confidence in you this morning to be able to walk in your calling, to be able to partner with God, to do the things in this day and time that need to be done. And there are things that only you are equipped to do. I can't do what he's asked you to do. I can't do what he's asked you to do and you to do and you to do. But I can walk alongside you and we do it together. Amen.